All right, let's get started in God's Word today. Uh, we're going to read out of 1 John, chapter number 4. And 1 John is not the Gospel of John. 1 John's way in the back. So go to Revelation and hang a left, and you'll get to 1 John. And we're going to read at chapter number 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. We've been taking a look at discipleship slash apprenticeship and uh, how we are disciples of Christ or apprentices of the Lord and those words can be pretty much interchangeable. And um, we've been looking at it from kind of a, a top view, uh, kind of in general terms. But today, we're gonna, the plane's going to take a dive. We're going to take a really close look at one particular aspect uh, that's, I think, very important for us as disciples and apprentices. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're in 1 John chapter number 4, starting at verse number 1. We'll stop at verse number 11. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. When I was uh, in high school, I had a good friend and he and I... We're getting ready to be seniors. We were in between our junior and senior year, actually at the close of our junior year. And there was a seniors class that everyone had to take. It was by far the, had the reputation to be the hardest class. And it had a very strict, staunch, pretty difficult teacher. And so it was just known that that was, that was the class that you'd have to struggle with the most. But you could take it as a summer school class before your senior year, and that way you'd take all of that pain and just shrink it down into four weeks. And so he and I decided to do that. But that left us with an open class for our senior year. So then we had to pick another class that, that we wanted to take for our senior year. And so we picked a really, really very difficult subject called ceramics. But in that, we learned how to what they call throw pots on a wheel. You've seen a potter, they have the wheel that, that spins, and you put the clay on there, and you form it and shape it, and you do all that stuff. We learned how to do that. 
One of the things that we learned really is more about clay than anything else, but as you're, you're forming that clay on the wheel into what you want it to be, your hands, and there are some tools, but basically it's your hands that are doing the forming, and as that clay is spinning and your hands are on that clay, every once in a while you might feel a, a little roughness, some, a little bump, something that wasn't smooth. And you had to make a decision about what to do, and the teacher would always tell you what to do, but sometimes you think, nah, because teachers, what do they know, right? And when you feel that certain something in that clay, it's usually a piece of rock or a piece of hardened clay, or it could be an air bubble. And the thing to do at that point in time, the worst thing you can do is take your foot on the accelerator of the wheel and speed it up. That's the worst thing you can do because that imperfection will cause a break in the clay and as you're spinning up it'll just destroy the whole pot and it just goes everywhere so you stop you take care of the problem pull the piece of rock out or pop the air bubble do whatever you need to do then you continue on again because if you don't when you take that pot and you put it in the kiln and it heats up to 500 million thousand degrees or whatever it is it will actually cause that pot to explode. There will actually be an explosion in the kiln. Not only is your pot ruined, but it is possible that all the other pots in the kiln, if not ruined, will be affected because a piece of clay will be splattered on that piece of pottery. Well, as we're looking at discipleship, we're looking at growing close to God and, and loving God and becoming more like God. And part of the process of that is that we look at our own lives and God reveals to us our own lives. And sometimes there's a little piece of rock, a little piece of thing in our life. And God is saying the worst thing you can do is speed up life. Get it going faster. Because it's just going to ruin everything. He says, slow it down, bring it to a halt, let's take care of this, and then let's move on. What I want to talk about today is in the process of discipleship, there are times when we have to address something that is bringing an effect to our lives, that if we just ignore it, when the heat rises, when the, when the test comes, it's, it's going to be ruined. Things are not going to go well, and then basically we got to start over again. And so... Here, 1 John chapter number 4 talks to us about testing the spirits. Now, in this reference, he's really talking about a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a message in tongues and interpretation. It could be a worship song that has been um, inspired by the Holy Spirit or supposedly inspired by the Holy Spirit. What is happening in our lives, the words that are spoken or sung or read or written, he's saying, I want you to test them, to be careful, be sure that they're actually from God and not from a different spirit. And he talks about the spirit of the Antichrist. He talks about the spirit of the age. And so this is a, something that God has told us to do, not just in this verse, but in others as well. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These words that are spoken, these songs that are sung, are what get in our minds, they get in our hearts. He's saying, I want you to be transformed and renewed. 
not only renewed from a sinful life, but he says, I want you to stay renewed and be constantly renewed. And that means we need a filter. How many of you can say, yes, filters are good? Sometimes, sometimes as we get older, we're like, yeah, forget it. I'm, I'm getting ready. It's, it's time. I'm, it doesn't really matter what I say, right? Sometimes people are like that. But filters are good. He said, I want you to be renewed. I want you to filter out the thing that is bad so that you're being conformed to the image of Christ and not the image of the world. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do, uh, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. 1 Timothy 4, chapter 1, uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 2. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings comes through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Holy Spirit is writing to the church at Corinth about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about these specific gifts. And he says, to one is given miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. He's saying it's actually a gift of the Spirit to be able to decipher and discern what spirit is behind a word or what spirit is behind a person. What is motivating that person or what is motivating that book or that teaching or that word or whatever it is. He's saying there's a spirit behind it. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he, he says... He says, do not believe every spirit. That word believe means do not have confidence. Do not have confidence in every single thing that's said, but test it. Be sure. Make sure. There's just three things we want to talk about for the next few moments. And then we're actually going to have a time of prayer at the end. I've, I've actually written a prayer that I want us to repeat together. But much more important than that is the prayer that I want you to pray to say, okay, God, I, I want to be sure that I am a disciple who is not just simply receiving everything that comes along the pipe, Every, everything that everybody says. If they have charisma, well, then I'm going to believe it. If they, if they have money, I'm going to believe it. If they're popular, if they're big or whatever, I'm going to believe it. And he says, no, test every word, everything, because not everything is from God. Here, verses 1 through 3, just really we need to know the difference and know the test. Know the difference between what is from God and not from God. Or something that's what we call brackish. It's in the middle. Growing up in Florida, we had sea salt and we had fresh water. And then we had brackish water. That was the in-between water. And as the tide comes in, it becomes more salty. And as the tide goes out, it becomes less salty. And it's the in-between. A word that might have some good in it. But yet there's also, ah, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I think that was a mistake. This is good, but that was a mistake. That was wrong. We got to test, examine, prove, scrutinize. And the day that we live, uh, that tends to be something we don't want to deal with, is be able to scrutinize and really talk about and have a discussion about. 
James Marshall in 1848 discovered gold in California and all the people that followed him, they called them 49ers. And of course, what is the name? The famous one word that the 49ers would use. Man, y'all are like, I don't know. What is I found it? Gold. Yes, you are alive. You are. Okay, great. Eureka, I found it. But along with I found it, wow, this is gold. What else did they find? Fool's gold, pyrite, right? And so they would collect this stuff. They go like, man, I am so rich. And then when they went to turn it in, they were like, well, actually, you got some rocks. And they're not worth anything. And so what they would do is they had a couple of tests that they would run to find out, is this gold or is it not? One of them was actually a bite test. Gold is a soft metal. And so you could kind of bite it. And if you could put a dent in it, well, you got gold. And if you couldn't, it's pyrite. Another would be to, to take it on a, take the stone that you think is gold and scratch it on a rock and the different, if it was, if it was a yellowish color, it was gold. If it was more of a gray or a green, it was pyrite. But the deal is they had to do the test in order to find out, is this what we want it to be or is this something else? The key word is you had to test in order to discover. We have an enemy that is trying to pass off things that are not from God, that are not gold. And we've got to run the test to say, is this from God? Is it not? Is this song? Is this word? Is this book? Is this teaching? Is this something from God or is it not? And what is the test that we run it through? It is nothing other than the word of God. It cannot be, it cannot be, does the pastor approve? It cannot be, does my grandmother approve? Because the pastor can be wrong, your grandmother can be wrong, but the word of God is right. We all make mistakes. I'm capable of making any mistake that you can name. I'm capable, and so are you. But the word of God is perfect, and so we run it through that filter of the word. We put it up against the word of God and say, how does this line up with the word of God? And if it lines up well with the word of God, then let's take it. And if it doesn't, Let's say, well, I'm rejecting the whole thing or I'm rejecting part of it. I'll take part of it, the part that's good, but the part that doesn't line up, I'm not taking it. And we live in a day and an age in which that, that feels cumbersome, doesn't it? Because we're supposed to tolerate everybody and tolerate everything. The word of God never says to swallow everything that gets served to you. We don't swallow everything. We got to pick and choose. We got to look at it and say it's not just according to what I want, but it's what does God's word say? And this gives us great freedom and great liberty and great power to recognize and say, okay, because I'm testing this, I not only get to say no, but if I say yes, then I have the responsibility to actually receive it and actually put it into my life as a disciple. And that's the test for you. The test is, do I have the guts to reject it, but also do I have the guts to actually put it in and make it affect my life, even if it's uncomfortable? Even if it's uncomfortable. Don't you wish that that verse, love your enemies, was pyrite? Am I the only one? I wish that was like, no, that that's, that's fool's gold, right? But it's not, it's actually the real thing. It's the real thing. And so I've got to go, oh, yep, that's gold. Okay, I got to love my enemies. Because that's the word. The second part is verses four through six. Take your place 
and know your demise. I wish this illustration was positive and it's not. Recently, the city of Toronto had a, uh, I, I don't know, pride march. I don't, may, they may have called it something else. The city of Toronto, a big parade, people lined across, along the edges of the street. And in that parade, of course, there's you know, a lot of weirdness, <clears throat> just call it like it is, a lot of sin, debauchery. What was amazing, it's all amazing, but there was a group of nudists walking down the streets of Toronto completely nude. They were part of the parade. Thank God for pixelation, but I watched that part, and there's a police officer standing right there. What's interesting is the police officer is there to keep the crowd from doing something wrong, but the nude people walk right down the city streets, which is against the law, and people went up to the police officer and said, what, what are you going to do something? Is this legal? And they go, no, it's not legal, but for a parade, you know, we allow it. Jesus says something about strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. We have got to take our place. I, I love law enforcement. Thank God for law enforcement. Where would we be without law enforcement? I love law enforcement. But, but come on, guys. You're paid to do a job, and the job is not whether you like it or not, or whether you think it's okay or not, or whether you think it should be acceptable. The, the law says that's against the law. I'm going to do something about it. That's what you get paid for. Get busy and do it. But let's talk about us for a moment. We are the body of Christ. We have families. And we need to be in our place. We need to know our place. Dads, we just had Father's Day. Moms, dads, you got to take your place as the leader of the home. You got to take your place to say, this is the direction our home is going in. And if little Junior or little Sally comes in and starts disrupting that, you got to call that out and say, not under my watch. Not while I'm in charge. There comes a time when little Junior needs to find out that ain't going to roll in this house. You got to know our place and say, all right, I'm, I'm taking charge of what's happening here. That's the position that God has put me in. Is it uncomfortable sometimes? Yes, it is. Would you rather just turn around and go, I don't want to deal with it? Of course. But that's not what God's called us to do. And we can't let... We can't, under our watch and in our jurisdiction, we can't let illegal nudity just go by and go, oh, it's a parade. It's a parade. If it's against the law, it's against the law. If it's a bad spirit, it's a bad spirit. It's a bad teaching, it's a bad teaching. I don't care how you dress it up, it's a bad teaching. And we got to call it out. We got to take our place and we also have to know the demise of those who are being used by the enemy. God is in us, and he is greater than the one that's in the world. This world and ungodliness and sin and unrighteousness is, is in the process right now of flourishing. Let's just, let's just go ahead and, and deal with that. Sin is flourishing right now. 
But I've got a Bible that says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And so we look at this and we say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to close my eyes to the reality of what is happening in our world. But at the same time, I'm going to recognize who I am in this world. And the Bible says, greater is he that is within you than the one that's in the world. He said, man, as a disciple of Christ, Christ is being formed in you. That's the greatness of power. That is the greatness of righteousness. It is not our righteousness. It is given to us by him. We are righteous because he has made us righteous. It is his righteousness. He has forgiven us of our sin, and he'll forgive anybody of sin. But we got to call it out. We can't just say, oh, that's not sin. If it's sin, it's sin in our own life and anybody else. we got to rise up and say, wait a minute. If, if sin is abounding, then I'm saying, God, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying that your grace will abound. And for those who are lost in sin and just dying in sin and reveling in it, and they don't even have the understanding to know that what they're doing is harmful to themselves, they don't even have that understanding. God, I'm praying for the grace of God to come on them and that they would, they would, their, the blinders would be removed off of their eyes and they would see, wow, this is wrong. It's against God. <clears throat> Back to parents huh. and grandparents. If you're uh, your teenagers or your 25 year old that still lives in your house, look, I'm not the perfect parent, wasn't, still am not. I'm not telling you to do what I did, but it was a rule at my house. It was called house rules. It's something my father established. You know what house rules means, right? It means if you own the house, you make the rules. That's what it means. In my dictionary, that's what it means. So my children understood that I make the rules. I also communicated to them that you're only going to live in my house a short time and then you're going to live a long time outside of my house and you can do whatever you want to do then. And I won't even care. But while you're in my house, you will do what I say to do. When Tyler bought his first car and he shelled out $3,000 for a piece of junk, <laughs> but it was his. It was a big, giant K5 jacked up Blazers with 44-inch tires. Wow. But I told him, I said, Tyler, you bought that truck, and it's your truck. But if you break the rules in my home, I'll take the keys. My house, my rules. I'm not going to sell it. It's your truck, but you're not going to drive it. And it was kind of a surprise to him. It was kind of a surprised look on his face, kind of like yours. The way it goes. You know, I was talking about my senior year in high school. Right before my senior year in high school, I had made a couple of dumb decisions. <laughs> and my father said, Chris, because uh, I, was, I was a pretty big baseball player, so he used my language that I understood. He said, Chris, you realize you have two strikes against you. You know what happens with three strikes, right? I said, yes, sir. And there were no three strikes. I didn't do three strikes. We've got to call out the spirit behind the word 
or the person. And if you're a parent, it's in your home, whether it's your children or your grandchildren. We say, oh, not, not in my home. Not in my home. I don't have the authority to, to give you uh, as a parent and a grandparent, but I have the encouragement to give you. The Word of God has the authority to give you that authority. That it's your house, it's your rules. Okay, um, um, number three, verses 7 through 11. We've got to experience God's love every day and share God's love every day. Along with the rules and along with what I told our son and along with what my father told me was a great deal of love. See, truth without love is legalism. And love without truth is useless. We just love, love, love. We love everything and everybody and everything they do and all that they do and all that they are. That's useless. That is, that is not from God. Love the person, absolutely. But to tolerate all of that, that's not love. You got to give them truth. Say, that's not going to happen in my house. I love you. Love you. I take a bullet for you right now, but right now I'm about to give you one. That's not going to happen in my home. And there's times in church when as the body of Christ, we come together and there is a godly authority under authority. Authority is always under authority, but we take our godly authority and say in the name of Jesus, not in my church. And I'm talking about us. We, we can do that. We're going to say, no, that's, that's not going to happen. That rude behavior that we're going, but how, but how do we communicate that? Through love. We speak the truth in love. We don't come around as a police officer and, you know, slap the handcuffs on everybody. We say, wait a minute, let me take you out to lunch. Let me take you for a cup of coffee. Let's talk about this. And we love the people, but we speak truth. We speak truth. And we say, this church has a culture of honor. This church has a culture of love. This church has a culture. And we're going to maintain that culture because it's a biblical culture. Micah, can you come up here for a moment, please? And, and we're going to bring this to a, to a, wrap this up. And we've got plenty of time to pray right now. And so here's, here's what I want us to do in the next few moments is to, is for us to recognize and pinpoint some things in our lives that we've been tolerating and some things happening around us that we've been tolerating. I want to bring out one very important thing here for a moment. Jesus um, uh, told uh, the parable. He said, um, before you go and try and help a brother with his eye problem, make sure you take care of your eye problem first. Right? That's a paraphrase. He said, take, take that plank out of your own eye first, and then you can help the brother take the speck out of his eye. You, you know, you know, you know me. So I'm not about all, all of a sudden we start correcting everybody. No, we're saying, God, I'm gonna look in the mirror. What is it about me that I need to call out and say in the name of Jesus, I'm not putting up with that anymore. I'm not putting up with that. Maybe it's an attitude toward a boss. Maybe it's an attitude toward a relative. Maybe it's a, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something that's just not from God. It's not godly that, that you've been acting out of and you're, and you're like well, I love Jesus I'm you know I mean I'm, I'm trying but boy this thing over here this thing 
and I've not been acting godly toward that or toward that person or people or you got to call it out in our own lives and go, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm an apprentice. That's not going to work. When you're an apprentice, you are learning how to do things. You're learning how. And you can say, well, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> and the, the master craftsman says, um, well, you have that freedom to do that, but this is the way that works and your way won't work. You have the freedom, but that's not going to work. And if we tolerate that, pretty soon we just have to call it out in our own life and go, I'm, I'm not putting up with that. But then we have that authority to help someone else and love them and speak the truth to them in love and say, hey, come on, let's, we don't do that. That word, that spirit, that attitude, we're going to call it out in love, but with all seriousness, with directness. Let's do that right now. Let's, let's look at our own lives and then, then begin to spread that out to other people. But God, is there something in our lives right now that you're wanting us to call out and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm done with that. I'm done. 